Welcome to We Be Watching, where we break down our favorite and sometimes not so favorite films and TV shows. I'm Brittany Danielle, writer, pop cultural critic, and super excited to talk about this episode. I'm Sharon, techie by day, writer by night, and I am super duper excited. This was an emotional episode, and I'm happy to get into it. Indeed. Remember, we are breaking the whole episode down actually the whole season down so if you have not watched queen sugar up to season five episode four put a pause on this podcast then come back and join our conversation if you want to hit us up after listening to the podcast between podcasts maybe you have some feedback or something you think we should talk about during the show you can reach us on instagram and twitter at we be watching pod and you can send us feedback at we be watching pod at gmail.com also if you're on apple please leave us a five-star review and drop a like kind word a nice comment it continues to help us to spread the word about the podcast Today we are here talking about Queen Sugar, Season 5, Episode 4, Early May 2020. This episode was directed by Sierra Glade, who, fun fact, she was a PA on the show um, a few years ago, and she was able to direct her first episode of television ever on Queen Sugar this season. And it was written by some heavy hitters, y'all. It was written by Ava DuVernay, the show's creator, and Anthony Sparks, the show's showrunner. The official synopsis of this episode reads, Micah and Charlie's relationship grows deeper. Ralph Angel takes pride in his new job. Calvin's daughter quarantines with him and Nova, and Micah helps Charlie in her fight against Parker and the Landrys. And lastly, Ralph Angel talks to Darla about their future. All right, Sharon. Let's get into it. What was your initial reaction for this episode? So my initial reaction was that this was the episode that like got us into the heart of COVID and what was happening individually with each person and collectively them as a family, um, just figuring out, you know, the next steps of what's going to happen in their life. So we see some things transpire because I'm guessing they've been in it for a couple of weeks now. So they've been quarantined together for a couple of weeks. And so now things are starting to to transpire in their relationships. As uh, you read about Charlie and Micah, um, that to me was one of the best moments of, of this episode. I thought that exactly what I had been saying previously that, you know, Charlie is ready for this relationship to blossom into what it's supposed to be, even though it didn't seem that way. But we learned some more information about their family and about her start as a mother with Micah. And so it kind of, for me, and I could see as we were watching it with Micah, it brought a different light to Charlie in terms of why she's been riding so hard for him and wanting him to make uh, the right and different choices that he's been making. Right. So when I was watching it and... If you are on Twitter, you can join us live tweeting. I'm usually live tweeting the show at 8 p.m. Eastern. So join us at We Be Watching Pod for that. But while we were watching, I was like, wait, did we know that Charlie was like a teen mom? I feel like this is the first time. Yeah, I feel like this is the first time this came out. And so it did. Like you said, it added another layer of complexity to their relationship. And I thought, you know, we've been talking all season so far about how 
this quarantine is going to affect them because their mother-child relationship is changing because Michael's right. becoming grown. And it looked all good in the hood. And then they had that one moment where oh my gosh. Michael was like, oh, when Charlie um, answered his phone and Michael tried to be like, I'm just going for a drive. Meanwhile, he's right, trying to go right. to a party. Right. And we know that, that some of that took place because a lot of people yes. were not... You know, a lot of people were partying. A lot of people were still, you know, seeing each other socially. Especially young people. Right. And we have to keep in mind, he was, he's in college. Like, this is his first time being out and about. And then now he's got to go back into, you know, the the home. And so, yeah, he's trying to make these choices for himself. Not really taking it that serious and, and realizing that, you know, he wants to just be with his friends. And, but that was a moment because, you know, she said, spoiler alert, you know, she said, you know, you're just like your father. And that hit him in a hard way. And I think for her, it hit her too. Like she, you could see her reaction to what she had just said, like, oh my God, I I just said the thing. But what it in turn did was it brought him back full circle because it gave her a moment to explain her life up to that point. And I'm like you, as I was watching it, I was like, I don't remember us ever knowing that Charlie was a teen mom, you know, and that she was in college and, you know, trying to make a way and trying to do what she had to do with continuing her college courses, but also being a mom. You know, she talked about how Ernest was one of those who did not condemn her, who did not put her down, but, you know, actually was there to help her uh, through that situation. So that too also, you know, connects why she is so passionate about making sure her family is, is good and that Ernest's interests are good because in her time, of, of need where she thought, you know, somebody might have said anything, her father might have said something, he didn't do that. So we can see that that's also her connection to wanting to preserve and make sure her family's good. Yeah, they keep giving us, and it's so surprising, right? We're in season four. We've been with the Bordelones for four years now, through at least 40 actually more because they've done more than 10 episodes per season. So we've ha- we've spent a lot of time with this family and yet we're still learning new things, right? Right, right. So kudos to the writers who keep peeling back this onion and giving us new information that kind of explains or adds more details and more layers about why the characters right. act the way they act. And I really appreciate Charlie circling back around to Micah to apologize. Um, and doing an apology like in a good way, you know, where she's like, she she's saying, I understand what I did and apologizing for that, you know, and, and looking at her son, like to me, that is the growth. That's like the adult moment between the two of them where she's saying, I know I did something wrong. I'm apologizing to you. And he can look at her and say, I get it. I understand. You know, so I feel like of all the times that I've seen them in conversation talking, like this was such an adult moment for the both of them, which is what, you know, they're trying to be to each other. Which is why I think she told him about his origin, right? I mean, I guess he never did the math to see like, oh my, such and such. And now I'm this age and that means you have me pretty young. But it mirrored basically her conversation, I think, with her dad, which is why she brought it up. Like, you know, if you're young and you're supposed to be the quote, good one or the smart one or the one that makes it, there's a lot of pressure on you. But instead of turning her away or shunning her or making her feel bad about getting pregnant, which a lot of people like that has definitely happened to a lot of young women and teen girls and whatever. 
her dad was like, I was proud of you yesterday and I'm proud of you today. And I think that is why she had that conversation with Micah to be like, look, I messed up. I don't think you're like your dad. I'm figuring it out, but I'm, I love you. I'm your mom. And this is why I ride so hard for you. This is why I have such high expectations of you. And it seems like now she's getting a little bit more of that grace that her father gave her because Charlie, Charlie has been super hard on Micah and you know, it's understandable. She wants the best for him, but she seems to, you know, in the past, she seemed to like overreact to things. Right. 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 And then she would kind of bring it back in and figure out how she can fix it and all this kind of stuff. But I think, as you mentioned, this is a turning point in their relationship where we're pivoting into a grown mother and child, right. Or right. mother, mother and I don't know. Is there, what's the grown equivalent of younger, child? Like young adult or... a mother and a child who are both grown. <laughs> right. Like it, it does. It's, it's like she, she has been writing really super hard on Micah um, for the decisions that she feels, you know, he's not making based on the future. Right. And we know that he's been making those decisions based on what he wants his future to be. So she's been hard on him, but What I appreciate about Charlie is that she is able to pivot and able to bring it back a little bit and like reel it in and then think about it and then come back and say the right thing. Because that's what we love about Charlie. She does the right thing. So I was glad to see that and glad to see that growth with she and Micah, because we know that it's still hard times coming. I mean, they're still at the beginning of this. He's getting used to being back in her house. And so we know that, you know, different things are still going to come. So we got to keep it keep watching. <laughs> we also know that Parker and the Landry's are out there. So it's really cool to see Micah using his time at home to help his mom try to figure out how to beat them. It's like, he's right. He's in the family business now. You know? Right. And I'm still not unconvinced that the girl that, you know, he's talking to has something to do with this situation. So we still got to see if that's going to play through, but it also like adds that extra layer of him helping her, you know, like building up this storyline that could possibly happen. I'm just still putting it out there. It may or may not happen, but we'll see. We will see indeed. Um, Another sort of quarantine thing that we were wondering how it was going to all play out was Calvin's daughter coming to stay with him and Nova. Right, right. Nova was rightly nervous because, you know, (laughs) when she met his ex-wife, things did not go well. Exactly. And she's, you know, wondering if this daughter who's in college is going to have the same feelings as her mother. And then Calvin's like, no, she's nothing like her mother, yada, yada, yada. And he was like, oh, she's going to love you. And Nova was like, we don't even know if she loves you. I was like, oh, shit. Ooh, that was, yeah, that was, <laughs> that <laughs> I was, was like, cold. Wow. That was cold. Yes. I'm just glad that, you know, she's coming, you know, because I think that it's going to build up their relationship even more. That whole scenario, I was kind of worried for Nova. I was like, I was with her. I was like, I don't know if she's going to be like the mom, but he was right. You know, he knows his kids, right? And we know that he loves his kids. So he knew that, you know, this daughter was the one that would take to Nova and and we saw why. I was like, oh, homegirl is like one of those super ultra 
liberal young woke white ladies. <laughs> right, right, right. Who checks every who's gonna check the patriarchy. So she's right. like all about doing that. Yes. And that's right up Nova's alley. At first I was like, okay. And then and then I was like, wait, you're trying a little too hard for my taste. But I get it. She's young, <laughs> she's in college, right. she's right. reading a lot of things. Exactly. She's trying on some new personalities and yeah. some stuff. Yeah. Getting real academic with her language. And so she's rolling off all these terms. And Calvin is like, what the hell? Right, right. He was like, when'd you learn that? (laughs) When they were playing cards, you know, and she just went in there and said what she had to say about the whole, you know, ordeal and and how it, you know, represents the patriarchy and, you know, this and that. And Nova's expression and face, she was like, okay, girl, I see you. But um, to me, that wasn't the best moment of that um, scene. The best moment of that scene was when, you know, the daughter came back around and she's just like, I've never seen my dad happy or in love. He was not happy, you know, happy when he was married to, you know, my mom and he's happy with you, you know? And so I just think that, that, that confirmation for Nova was, you know, more of what she needed because she's coming into this situation, meeting his family it's already an aggressive situation. Um, the mom has already shown her, I'm not here for this, you know, all of that. And so Nova ha- having heard from the daughter that, you know, I've never seen my dad this happy and he's certainly very happy with you, um, I think was the tender moment of that scene. And that was an incredibly grown moment because I don't know a lot of, I think she's supposed to be what, like 20? Yeah. Um, 2021, I don't know a lot of people in that age whose parents, you know, were married for most of their life. And then this woman comes in who's the other woman, technically. Right, right. And they are this gracious to that person. I mean, whether it's true or not, like it's still, as a child, you're like stung. You know, my parents got divorced when I was in high school. So it's still, you know, whether they were happy or, or whatever, I don't want right. to see my mom or dad with somebody right away. You know what I mean? So. It was incredibly grown up, which I think signals like, okay, this is a side note, but there was a lot of like young people drinking wine in this episode. I was like, wait, how old is this girl? No, no. That's what I was like. (laughs) When we we saw homegirl, Calvin's daughter playing cards and drinking wine, I was like, wait a minute. I thought she was like 20. Right. And then in that that other scene with Micah and Charlie, I was like, wait, there's two glasses of right. wine. Right. Charlie has really let her guard down. Cause I can't imagine any other scenario where she would be like, okay, Micah, go have a good time. Just don't get drunk. Like, right. But, but I think for her, you know, it's in a controlled environment. Yeah. He ain't going nowhere, you know, as far as she's concerned. So right. it's like, you know, he can have a, he can have some sip sips. I know, I know college, I know college life. Right. I know some sip sips have been had, so he's like, cool, you know, let's let's do this. Yeah, that was just one thing. I was like, okay, Charlie, this quarantine is really getting to you because you let right. Micah drink. Right. <laughs> and Micah is not even 20. Right, right. Because I thought that. I was like, wait a minute. Wasn't he just in high school last yes. year, last season? Like, yes, uh-uh. he was. I did the math. I was like, this no. is freshman year in college. But yeah, right. I think going back to Calvin... Nova and Calvin's daughter, I do foresee some, and not between Nova and the daughter, but between like this whole coming Black Lives Matter segment of COVID because something about Calvin is still... 
very white, right? And I don't mean right. that in a pejorative, but very like, no, everything will be okay. No, I know Trump is the president, but he has to want people, he has to want the best for people. Like he still has some blindness there, even though, you know, he says like, oh, he was a good cop and all of these things. Like even when his daughter is basically calling him out on calling her aggressive just because she's, you know, winning this game and taking it seriously, he still has some blind spots that I think are right. going to get even further exposed as we move deeper into, you know, the pandemic, as we move deeper into all of the the racial uprisings that happened during right. that time as well. Right. And judging by, you know, the pacing, that might start happening next episode. Pacing is moving right along. Speaking of which, you know, we can bring up uh, Ralph Angel and Darla and... Blue in that situation, I think last week we talked a little bit about, you know, how it's going to look for Darla being home all the time, Blue being an exceptionally gifted child, what that scenario is going to look like. And just as we watched in this episode, she's frustrated because everything that she plans for him, he runs right through. And the days are going pretty slowly because, you know, there's so There's so many things that he's able to just get through rather quickly. And so we see her sort of becoming frustrated. There's so many things we can peel back into that scene. So I'm going to just start with that and I'm going to let you take some other parts of that scene. Yeah, I was getting worried about Darla because she's clearly not coping very well. And I think Darla needs to get in on some online counseling somewhere. We already know Blue is a gifted child. Mm -hmm. And she mentions that, you know, he did all of his work really fast. Now he's like just spinning around in the living room. Right. And she's just overwhelmed and frustrated. She didn't go to her Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Um, I'm assuming virtually. So she's not even like doing that to support herself. She's trying to do all these projects to stay busy at home, but it's just not working. She's feeling like a lot of us felt and still feel very overwhelmed, just sad because she doesn't have a job or they they could possibly be struggling. And all of this is, is getting to her. The one good thing is I'm assuming, I don't know, that they probably don't keep alcohol in the house. I don't think that they do. I think also the the other part of that is that it's all on her because the household is all on her right, because right. Um, Ralph Angel has, you know, a taken job. on the job because he had yeah. to, you know, but then she's now having to deal with schooling blue, which, you know, she's never had to do and figuring out what to do with her own time. I thought that scene was so incredibly human because it's exactly the scenario that a lot of us went through during that time. We yeah. were overwhelmed. We were trying to entertain ourselves in addition to making sure that, you know, our children were schooled properly, that they were also being entertained and not just sitting bored. And, you know, you get to a point, you know, in that scene, you know, she's, you know, up on the, the kitchen counter and he's spinning, you know, with his headphones and, Ralph Angel comes into the the room and she's just like, he's dancing. But like, the thing is, you know, like what else is she supposed to do? You know? And what I loved about that is that he, he came into the room very perceptive of what was going on and helped her get her center. You know what I mean? So that she could cope and just reminding her 
that everything is okay. So we see Ralph Angel helping um, Darla get her center, which is super important because we know, like you just mentioned, she's going to Narcotics Anonymous, that it's possible that she herself even needs some online counseling. So the fact that, you know, Ralph Angel is just stepping into every single scenario that is brought his way, I'm kind of concerned for him because he's being the strong one for right. like everybody. And right. so I wonder if he himself is going to have a breaking point. Yeah, I think uh, it's so difficult because everybody during the pandemic, and it's so weird talking about that right now and saying during the pandemic as if we're out of it. Right. Because we're not. Like my son is doing online school right now in the other room. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, and we're both working from home. And that's why if you hear any background noises, uh, that's why we have to record this remotely. Right. But it's so hard because all of us have been forced to play these multi- multiple roles, like whether you have children or not, or whether you have older parents or not, like you're still trying to find ways to make sure everybody else is okay. And a lot of us didn't take the same care with ourselves. I know I sort of hit a wall at some point, maybe earlier this year, maybe late last year, where it's just like, I didn't want to do anything. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this is this depression? Like I'm, right. I'm still, I'm still working. I'm still right. cooking, cleaning, doing the laundry, doing stuff for my son. But it's just like, when it comes to me, like, I don't want to do, you know, early pandemic people were doing face masks and right. having right. virtual happy hours. Like that got old very quickly. Yes, it did. And so I realized like for a long stretch, like I wasn't even leaving my house. Like I would get everything delivered. I wasn't going for walks anymore. And I was like, okay, something is right. not right. So I wonder, like you mentioned, and as we see later in this episode, Ralph Angel is still like, even outside of his house, he's doing all of this stuff to make sure other people are cared for. Exactly. That whole Mr. Reggie thing was so sweet. Like, oh my God. And we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But I do wonder, like you said, how this is going to affect him personally. I am, I was so, I don't know if we want to jump ahead, but I was terrified that either Mr. Reggie or Mr. Reggie's wife was going to die. Me too. I got so scared and I was just like, you know, and I find found myself throughout the episode having those peaks of just like, oh my God, you know, the worst is getting ready to happen. And then kind of feeling a sense of relief when in that particular scenario, the worst didn't happen. So like with Mr. Reggie, you know, I thought it was so sweet that, you know, Ralph Angel orchestrated this meeting between he and his wife, you know, like that was super sweet. And um, Ralph Angel doing what he does, you know, which is taking care of everybody else, which, you know, says to me, because I know that a lot of households, you know, when you're the one doing everything, the emotional support, the financial support, the mental support, all of it, like that takes its toll too. So I'm just curious to see how this is going to play out um, for Ralph Angel too. I am, but that interaction with Mr. Reggie, I guess we can just dive into it. I think this episode 
if I had to classify it, it was the bitter with the sweet, right? right? So we have these things where people's lives are being turned upside down. The bitter with Mr. Reggie is that COVID has separated him and his wife of like 57 years. He is used to seeing her every day. He's used to being with her every day, even though they're in a nursing facility and she needs a little bit more care. And so now he's just trying to, you know, we first see him and he's boxing and I'm like, okay, Mr. Reggie's staying Staying cool. Right. And then the next time we see him, he's like slumped over in a chair. And I was like, oh my God, right. Mr. Reggie didn't caught the COVIDs, right? But <laughs> it turns out that it's his birthday and he's right. just sad because he can't see his wife. And in the same way that, you know, we lose an elder in this episode, we also see how other elders are being taken care of. So again, what I really appreciate is, in this episode specifically, I think they're giving us every side of the right. pandemic, right? right. Like That's teenager moving back home with your parent after being out on your own for a while, overwhelmed mom dealing with a, a kid on online schooling and you're struggling with your own, you know, challenges, mental health challenges, substance abuse right. challenges, um, somebody forced to work in a nursing home and see how I'm still concerned that Ralph Angel is going to also see a bunch of like, people dying and, and right. what effect that will have on him too. But but also I was I was concerned when uh, Mr. Reggie had said that one of the reasons why they couldn't see each other was because somebody had come through and had COVID. Like right. I had I had a gasp moment right then because I was just like, he's so close like Ralph Angel being the emotional support for everybody. He's so close to COVID, like super yeah. close. I'm just hoping that that's not the thing that, you know, brings him down just a little bit. So we'll, you know, we'll still have to see, but right. that made me, you know, I got a little um, scared there, but this episode touched on all of the emotional transactions that we had with each of our lives, you know, you could find yourself in one of these scenarios, taking care of an elder, having to still work and work in, you know, an environment that didn't seem safe, and then having to bring that home to your family. What does that look like? And parenting a child, all of the scenarios, everything you could find something in each one of these scenarios. So they really, they really hit on that. Yeah. And Darla seems very intent on making sure like Ralph Angel doesn't bring COVID home because Blue tells right. him like, oh, mom says you have to take off your clothes before you come in. Like right, right. you have to leave it on the service porch or whatever, which, right. you know, a lot of frontline workers were definitely doing a lot of nurses and doctors and hospital workers. Some of them even went to the, not the extreme, but some of them even like rented hotel rooms. So they wouldn't infect their families with COVID. I remember reading somebody say that they had set up a tent in the garage. So they weren't, you know, infecting their families with COVID. That was super duper on point because a lot of us were doing that. Like a lot of us were wearing all the gloves and, you know, masks and and if you did go outside you just took off all your stuff right um you didn't wear your outside clothes inside right uh people at some point was like cover your hair and i have like long locks and i was like okay that's where i draw the line but (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not gonna go out looking like the unabomber every time i leave my house so right (laughs) with a hoodie and (laughs) sunglasses and a mask like 
I'm good. Okay. Right, I'll take right. if I if I I'll take that one chance with my hair. But it was definitely something that we were all very concerned about because in May 2020, we still weren't sure. Like I was wiping down my groceries, anything that I bought from the store. Like I tried I still to do. I let that go. Cause I was like, you know what? If I catch COVID from a box of cereal, then it, so be it. But <laughs> I, you know, I don't knock people who did because it's like taking the extra step of precaution because we weren't right. sure about exactly what it was. And in May of 2020, I think we still were under the notion like, ah, uh, you know, by the summertime, by the we'll summer, be, we'll right. be back. Like we thought we were going to be back outside in April. Right. That didn't work. My birthday was in May. I had to let that go. <laughs> and yeah, my, my birthday was in April. So right in yeah. the heart of it. We had, we both had to let that go. All right. the plans had to go out the, the window. Plans. And but I still was naively like, you know, summertime things things it'll get warmer. People won't be sick. And that's and here we are, March twenty twenty one. Not only still in a pandemic where things are starting to get better because you know people are getting the vaccine now, but reliving last year right. in the show. I you know I know. Last week, you talked about how triggered you were. This week, I felt less triggered. And I think it's explicitly because, like I said, this episode gave us the bitter and the sweet, right? It's not just doom and gloom, like, oh, here's all the things that happened that were terrible in COVID. And some terrible things happened in this episode. Hollywood's mom died, like we suspected. died, yep. And really fast. But I guess, again, that is... (laughs) That's accurate. It is accurate, particularly because, you know, she had already, when we saw her, you know, she was already starting to show the symptoms and the signs. And, you know, she probably would not have gone or to see a doctor or anything like that had somebody not, you know, pushed her forward or if Hollywood hadn't come up there to probably push her to go. So unfortunately, that scene and scenario hurt my heart. However, the speech that Anvaya gave him, not even speech, but just... Yes, the pep talk. The pep talk, you know, and I know she felt a wave of guilt because she didn't go with him, right, but right. also it makes sense that she didn't because A, you know, she, we know that she has lupus and so that's really not a, a situation she should have been going into, but also we know Hollywood is a man's man, right? So he's going to like take care of of his women and his mom, you know, being one of his ladies, you know, and taking care of her. And so he just was like, I'm going, you know, like, I'm going to go on up there and I'm going to see what's going on. And he did. And it was heartbreaking, but I really, really appreciated Unfi's words to him. I cried a few times in this episode. I don't know about you, but Uh... (laughs) there was just like tears kind of coming down just because I think I felt that emotion from um, reliving some of these situations or just Mm -hmm. not reliving them, you know, per se, but just knowing that this is what was really happening at the time and having friends who, you know, lost loved ones during that time and being unable to see them and all of those situations, you know, kind of crept up for me as I watched it. So kudos to the writers for nailing those, you know, moments that we all experienced at that time. Yeah. Kudos to the writers and to the actors because they killed it. Avi, when she was like, your mother is proud of you right Right. so hollywood is grieving the fact that his mom has to get taken off the ventilator and basically you know what that means like she's not long for this world but and i was like she's still here 
And right. she is still proud of you. And that was amazing. Uh, Vi was doing the Lord's work in this episode because yes, she, she not only managed to comfort her husband from afar, but she went and got our guy. Right. She got Mr. Prosper. She went and convinced our guy, rather, to come and shelter in place with her, which makes total sense because she can cook. I feel like Mr. Prosper is eating like beans out of a can or something. I don't know what right. he's doing. Because well, when she mentioned cooking, I mean, he looked right at his little plate of whatever that was. And he's like, I'll <laughs> right. be right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm not mad at Mr. Prosper because we know if I could cook. Right. So, you know, like that was such a sweet scene and what I was expecting because he has a very sweet connection to the Bordelones. And so it was just a matter of time. I didn't know which one of them was going to be the one. You know, we had suspected Charlie, but it's sweet that it's Unvi because we know that Unvi and Ernest and Mr. Prosper had many, 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 many long years together. So we know that uh, that's just right on time. Yeah. And I think she was probably the only one that he would likely leave the house for. Right. To be honest, because right. and in and this specific instance, because she's alone, right, and he's alone, and so he wouldn't feel like if it, if he was going back to Charlie's house, like he wouldn't want to be a burden. And Nova now has Calvin and Calvin's daughter, and so the only right. other scenario I think that he would be like, you know what, yeah, let me leave my house. In addition to getting good good cooking and some good pies, right. Is because I think he also feels like he's doing something for her too. Right. So they won't be alone. Right. So she also won't be alone while Holly was away because, you know, before his mom died, like there was no telling how long Holly was going to be in Baton Rouge. And there's still no telling how long he's going to be in Baton Rouge because he's going to have to like quarantine a bit. Right. He's going to have to figure out, you know, funeral arrangements or, you know, set his mom has a house, like that whole process. Exactly. And so, you know, I think Mr. Prosper, again, like we mentioned last week, it's a chance for him to not only get connection with somebody, but to also feel useful. Right. right? And we know that's his thing. You know, that's why Nova was able to, you know, reach him in that moment um, last episode, uh, because, you know, we all know that Mr. Prosper wants to be useful. He does not want to be a burden. And so that was especially sweet in that moment. And also Mr. Prosper has been watching the news He knows, you know, the situation and everything that's going on. And he didn't want to be in somebody's house where that person is coming and going, you know? And so the fact that he knows that Anvaya is not coming and going anywhere and that she's there by herself and that she's also someone who, you know, has to be safe. That was perfect. It was perfect. And and, And I'm glad that he took that and that he's there. And I mean, he was... Having a good old time. She was bringing he his plate. He, he had his feet up. <laughs> watching TV. She was pampering him. She like right. kicked back the recliner. He was like, oh, Hollywood going to be upset with me. He said that, but he leaned on down in that chair, though. He <laughs> sure <laughs> did. Like, he sure did. Took right. the remote like a chair. Sure did. Yeah, sure did. I love but it for Mr. Prosper. Good I do. Him. I do love it. But still, like, even in this sweet and blissful moment when Vi breaks the news that... Hollywood's mom dies, it still really bothers him because he sees COVID as a disease that's taking out all of his peers, right? All of his friends. He's he's right. already lost five people to COVID in the past right. month. And he, with his incessant news watching, like he was the first one that was like, oh my God, this is taking out 
all the old people. And I think him and Vi had a conversation like, why are people going out like this? Like, why now? Why are we leaving this way? Especially at a time when you couldn't really celebrate somebody's life, you know? Right. And he's like, after everything we've been through, you know, this is what's going to take us out, you know? So right. That was a moment. That was a moment. And I'm glad that, you know, he touched on that. That's, again, kudos to the writers and the actors, because that is something that, you know, if you were around elders, particularly at that time, you know, like, I don't have children, but, you know, I have an an elderly father. And so those watching that and watching like Mr. Prosper's story touches me in such a deep way, because my dad too is alone. And so to see that, you know, somebody, I I did the same thing, you know, to make sure that he was okay, to make sure he was good, you know? And so just watching that and seeing and hearing what he's saying about like, how is this happening? Why is this happening like this? I had some of those same conversations. So that was on point. Yeah. I feel like we keep saying everything's on point. So again, (laughs) this is a testament to Right. The Queen Sugar writers, the Queen Sugar actors. And even though we were a little bit worried about reliving 2020, I think that, again, it's being done in a way that it's not just tragedy. Right. And I think, you know, we talked about it a couple of episodes ago where, you know, we didn't think this season was going to be, for lack of a better phrase, trauma porn, where they just put all of this drama and trauma on screen and then leave us with no hope. I think they're accurately portraying how, you know, things went for a lot of people, but they're also giving us hope. So, you know, at the end of this episode, Inspired by Mr. Reggie's enduring love for his wife, Ralph Angels comes home. He tells Darla, like, yo, let's get married right away, ASAP, as soon as we can, because you're my soulmate. I don't want to spend another day without being married to you. And let's do this. So it looks like right. next episode we're getting we're a wedding. Get a wedding. We're getting a wedding. Right. I was like, let me let me find my uh my umbrella. My right. second line. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was amazing. Like that scene, again, we've watched the growth of Ralph Angel. He's using his his good voice. You know, he's no longer whispering. And the words that he's saying is telling us everything, you know, that we were expecting from this moment from him, which is to want to to make Darla his wife and to move forward. Because as they have been saying in each episode, it's about hope. They've actually, you know, to piggyback on what you just said, they've actually been saying that in each episode to each other. Like, we have to just keep going forward. We just have to keep hoping, having faith. You know, they've been using that language to inspire each other. And so that's been beautiful to watch, you know, with their relationship. And also just a reminder that, you know, we're not just watching all of these terrible scenarios happen, but good things, you know, have transpired in that too, because we're human. So good things can happen. You know, it's not all tragic all the time. It was a hard time. It is a hard time. We're still going through it. But, you know, um, they've been bringing that layer of hope um, throughout the whole season. So that's nice to watch. It's been very, very nice to watch. And we hypothesized that we would get the wedding at the end of the season. But Ralph Angel and Darla can't wait. So we're getting it in episode five, which is not even, I mean, I think they, I don't know how many episodes we're getting this season. I think last season was around 13. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're coming up 
too close to the midway point of the season. And, um, but I'm excited that hopefully we get a little bit of a reprieve from all of the, the sadness and right. just get to celebrate Ralph Angel and Darla next episode. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing that. All right, y'all. You know what it is. Before we get out of here, it's that time. Sharon, who is your borderline of the week? So my borderline of the week is Charlie. And I'm choosing Charlie again because I feel like we're seeing the growth that we didn't know that we were going to see with Charlie as she is navigating this, you know, mother, adult, child situation. You know, I was really impressed with how she came back around and asked for forgiveness and also talked through the situation and let Micah know, you know, why she said what she said, how it came to be that she said that. And good job on Micah for asking the very pointed question, you know, why would you say that? And she didn't shy from answering it. She gave him the answer. She told him and we see them, you know, blossoming in their relationship. So I'm glad to see it, you know, because we've seen Charlie come down so hard on Micah, you know, all of these uh, seasons. So to see her actually trying to navigate this adult relationship with her child, who is now an adult child, you know, gives me, I, I really have a lot of respect for that character. So she's my borderline of the week. Charlie has two rings so far this season. Um, I had a really difficult time trying to pick my borderline of the week. I was torn, obviously, between Aunt Vi and Ralph Angel. But I'm going to go back to back on Ralph Angel. I gave it to him last week. I'm giving it to him this week for similar reasons, right? It's just that whole storyline with Mr. Reggie was... Just so beautiful. The fact that he's working in a nursing home and he's actually taking care of the patients in the nursing home, even though that's not his job. He sees that this man is, you know, struggling and he does something to fix it. Not only he does something to fix it, but he manages to arrange a visit for his wife to see him through the window and they, you know, are able to talk a little bit or wave or whatever. And that just completely makes Mr. Reggie's year. In addition to that, he is being a a strong support system for Darla, who is really struggling. And I think Ralph Angel, like so far this season, he's 10 out of 10. So right. He's giving it to us. He's giving it to us. He's smiling. He's talking in his real voice. He's taking care of people at home and at work. And he he's in it to win it. So my borderline of the week, again, back to back, Ralph Angel. There you go. That was a good one. Before we get out of here, Sharon, do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. I think we covered it all. I think so too. All right, y'all. That brings us to the end of another episode of We Be Watching Queen Sugar. Again, if you want to talk to us in between time, you want to send us your thoughts, your feedback, you have some questions or stuff you want us to talk about on the air, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at We Be Watching Pod. Or send us an email at webewatchingpod at gmail.com. Until next time, y'all, I'm Brittany Danielle. I'm Sharon Brooks. And we out. Bye.